Well, I started to wonder. I thought, you know, Michael's like getting in my notes. So we are stories. We are. We're living, walking stories. Uh, we're going to look at Hebrews 12 later on tonight, but in there it calls Jesus the author and the perfecter or maturer or finisher of our faith. But I'm intrigued with that word author because he's writing a story in us. And I want to just start off tonight by saying that some of you may feel like your story's all written now. I'm telling you right now, your story's not over. And even if tonight the Lord takes you home, our story through our salvation in Jesus Christ goes on forever. And beloved, I'm sorry, I don't see us floating on clouds playing harps. You know, and as a pastor, I pray that it's not an endless church service. I'm sorry. I mean, Lord, if that's what it is, so be it. You're my God. I'm there. Uh, I, you know, this whole vision of a new heaven and a new earth and the restoration of all that God intended from the very beginning, now restored, and we get to live in it in its fullness. And we walk in the fullness. And I'm thrilled with that. I'm not really keen on the process of dying, but man, bring it on. This evening, I, I, I don't know who you are, young man. What's your name? I'm Dan. Dan, I like that's a good name. Yeah, I was watching you from back there. You are a worshiper already. You are a delight before God in that. You're a warrior in worship. I don't know if you understand that yet, but it, when we worship God with all our heart, with, with everything we got, and I was watching you, and you were, and there's more in you yet to come that way. Uh, but I bless that in you. And, and Lord, let it grow. I don't know if you'll be a worship leader or what you'll be. That doesn't matter. You just keep worshiping God. And it will make you strong and it will defeat the enemy. Are you his dad? I was watching you too. You're a good dad. You've raised him well. Tonight is the night in which I'm not going to do all the speaking. Tonight, my desire is that God will begin speaking with you. There's going to be a few questions that I'm going to ask you to do some thinking, some time traveling, actually. That's what I mean. I was like, Kelly, how far are you going to go with this, Michael? Um, so we're, we're, we're in sync already. This is good. Uh, so I hope that you're up for that. I hope everybody here has a, a piece of paper that you walked in with, something to write with. Anybody need a pen or a pencil? Michael's got paper. He's got pens. Raise your hand if you need it. Don't be, don't be bashful. Okay, over here, over there. JT in the back. All right, let's keep going. And I am going to, I am going to uh, throw some clay tonight, but uh, I just want to share with you some uh, processes in which God, as our Father, grows us. I don't think we're going to finish the whole thing tonight. In fact, I think we're going to pick it up some more tomorrow. And a lot of tomorrow is going to be the releasing and the going out as sons of the Father, as brothers to brothers, and as potential fathers to others. Uh, because God does not give us power without purpose. God does not give us position without purpose and without calling. So we get, as we walk this stuff out, that's when we become who we are. 
So Lord, tonight we just welcome your presence. We know that you're already here, but in our own hearts and minds individually right now, we're, we are welcoming you, seeking you, for we are nothing without you. And yet you have created us, formed us, known us, put ingredients into us, invited us, and as we follow you, you make us into truly saints, truly brothers, truly sons of yours. So we put ourselves in your hands tonight, Father. Holy Spirit, we invite you to move among us in whatever fashion you want. And all the men said, amen. amen. That's a good thing. I just realized that. Amen. Huh. I bet a guy figured that one out somewhere along the line. So, uh, oh, I want to just check with you a little bit for tomorrow on this. How many of you guys are currently in, in a group, you know, a, a men's group? Would you just raise your hands? I just want to get a, a feel for this. Okay. So a lot of you are not. That's fine. Don't feel bad in that. I just... Because um, tomorrow, uh, and I don't want to scare you off with this, but I want to I get some of you guys together to talk a few things out, uh, maybe even pray for each other. We'll see where it all goes. But uh, we're just going to increasingly get more interactive. Uh, last night, like I said, I did all the speaking tonight. I'm going to pose some thoughts and uh, ask you to consider some stuff. Uh, the first thing I want to start off with is, is this stuff right here. This is clay. And... It's a material that's made up of ingredients. And you and I, we are men made up of ingredients of our story that God has put together. I mean, literally, Jeremiah chapter 1 is a good one to start off with here, just to get a sense of how far back God has known us long before we knew him. This is an astounding. I would never dare say this except for the fact it's already in the book. Uh, Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 4 and 5, the word of the Lord came to me, Jeremiah, saying, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. So God is saying to Jeremiah, listen, man, before you were even formed in your mother's womb, I knew you. Now, God has no favorites among us. That means that every one of us in this room, before we were formed in our mother's womb, God had vision for who we are. That takes a lot of faith to, to wrap ourselves around that thought. But we're going to develop that theme some tonight. How does that work? As an artist, there, it's easier for me to picture this because, like as a potter, I can already, in my mind's eye, I could say, okay, I'm going to make this into this, or I'm going to make this into a, a large vase, because I'm able to do that. And that's why the, the metaphor of potter with God, clay with us, is throughout the Scriptures, both Old and New Testament. It's a common metaphor. And part of that metaphor is God is able. God shapes, forms us. God knows ahead of time what he wants. 
Can we rebel against it? Absolutely, but he will keep steering us back in. He'll put in landmines along the way to get us back into place, you know. Because he has a vision for us. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. All of us have calling. Those of you who heard me a couple of years ago when I was here speaking, that, that was the major aspect of the message. But it's so true. All of us are invited by God through Christ Jesus. You know, you're looking at Ephesians 2.10. For we are God's workmanship. And that word workmanship, poemas, is the word we get poem from. That means handcrafted or masterpiece in a sense. We are God's creation. And then he goes on to say, created in Christ Jesus. So this is all dependent in Christ. We need to come to him in faith. That we may do good works which he has prepared in advance for us to do. It's all of us as believers. All of us have good works that God has prepared in advance for each one of us. Now that, that becomes somewhat of the basis of what I want to talk about in terms of being raised up by the Father. The Father has vision of us. He, he envisions us. He looks at us and he puts ingredients into our lives. Let me talk about clay for a minute. Clay is earthy materials mixed with water. As a potter, I'm going, okay, I want to make a tall pot out of this clay, so I want stiffer clay. Some of you are stiffer guys. Maybe you put up major resistance to God initially, but God may have put that, that stiffness into you because you're going to be the stand-up guys who will fight some of the major battles. I also like to have clay that's softer, and I'll make platters, and like the bowl I made last night, that you know, the gravity is not such a, a, a deal with it. In fact, I want it to be able to open out easily. Some of us are made of, of more softer ingredients. The clay itself has got different ingredients in it. It's got, so it's not just stiff or soft, it's got uh, different types of clays that are blended together. One clay to make it more plastic. One clay so it can go through intense heat in your oven or you can pour hot coffee and it's not going to crack. Another material is feldspar that I put into it so that it turns somewhat into a glassy state when it's fired. Makes it hard and solid. There's little chunks of fired clay in it that, that uh, causes it to be able to, to stand up better. We have ingredients in ourselves. That's the first question I'm going to pose to you tonight. Let me... Let me just kind of throw that one out a little bit. Um, let's see, I've got down here Isaiah 64, verse 8. That's the one where uh, the, the prophet Isaiah says, You, O God, are our Father. You are the potter. We are the clay. Again, relating father and potter. Um, and so what I was saying with that as a, as a potter, I've put stuff in here because I want to make out of it what I want. God is putting ingredients in your life and in my life that will facilitate the vision that he has for us. So I want you to look back in your history a little bit and make down a few notes. What are some ingredients? You know, for example, in my story, 
um, I had a grandma that was highly influential in my life. And she was a magnificent storyteller. And I would sit with my grandma as a little boy. She'd come and visit and spend a couple weeks with us and go on to the next grandkids. She has 12 grandkids, and each one of us are like, I'm the favorite, you know, because she made us feel that way. But in her storytelling, I learned to be a storyteller. It's an it's a ingredient in my ministry that God put in through my grandmother. Another one that my grandma would do, she played the piano, and she was a honky-tonker. I mean, she's just a crazy woman. And, uh, but one of the things she would insist of all of us kids was sing loud. David, sing louder. Sing louder. So I sing loud. I can't help it. It's in me. But I love to praise God loud. Um, what are the ingredients in your life? How were you parented? What doors of favor opened up to you? Let's write down a few of those. We'll take a moment or two of doing that. So for those of you who are watching right now, what I'm doing is centering the clay. Because I've chosen some clay tonight that's stiffer, it's going to take me a little bit longer to center it because it's kind of ornery. How many of you guys are ornery? Come on, raise your hands. I own it. Is that only a, a west of the Mississippi term, or do you guys use that one too? Okay. Just checking out, I want to be culturally relevant here. Okay, so right now I just discovered I have an air bubble in here. And I equate air bubbles with pride in us. So as a potter, I'm gonna pop that pride. And I don't know about you, but I've had my pride popped a few times by God. That's good. Because when we're humble, he lifts us up. When we're proud, he takes us down. Being taken down by God is not a fun thing. So as I center this clay, one of the thoughts I want to share with you is that centering is kind of like being pressed into a place where uh, everything can begin. If the clay is not centered, and I try to form a pot with it, the part that's still wobbling, like down here, is going to go further and further out and pretty soon just go off. I think about centering as, as coming to Christ. 
that, you know, I did live a life apart from Christ for a number of years as an adult. I wasn't a believer back then, and I hadn't received Christ until I was in my mid-30s. And my life would regularly go way off base. Ever since the Lord has gotten a hold of me, it's less often unless I just really rebel against him. And then he faithfully centers me back again. How does he center me? He centers me with his word, centers me with his presence, centers me with good people around me to mentor me and correct me, pressure me. Centering is pressure. I want you to think for a second about the ingredients that have been given to you. That's coming under the title of provision of the Father. I think that God's going to show you more of that as time goes by. So keep that idea open to yourself. And then the next one I want to talk about is uh, this whole business of coming to Christ, being centered, being connected. You know, Jesus, when he's walking along the shoreline, he looks out and he sees four young men fishing, Peter and Andrew, James and John. They had seen him prior to this, but he looks out at them and he says these simple words that are recorded in Mark 1.17. Come, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. So the vision that God has for your life, my life, the only part that we really play and are responsible for is to come to Christ and to follow him wherever he leads us. And we get all caught up with the idea of, I don't know if I can do that. I, 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 you know who I am. I'm, I'm inadequate in this or I'm not really sure I want to do this. I, I, I can't make myself into that. You're right. You can't. He will. That's what he said. Come follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Whatever fishers of men may mean for you is, is different for each one of us. You know, when I was 18 years old taking the first pottery class, did I have any idea that one day I would be preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ at a potter's wheel in a church? No way, Jose. But God did. And so what did he put into me? A desire and an opportunity to take a class and uh, gave me good friends to encourage me and a teacher who I could really identify with. Those are all gifts that the Lord put into my life. What are the ingredients that God put into you for your story? When we say, yes, Lord, when we are willing to come to him and follow him wherever he goes, that's when the adventure begins. If you guys are living a dull and boring life, here's the challenge. Tomorrow morning, wake up and say, Lord, whatever you want to do with me today, I'm in. And if you start doing that on a regular basis, even hourly basis, uh, he'll believe it. And he'll take you into stuff that will really challenge you and it will really thrill you. And you will have a legacy to pass on to others. I'm opening up this clay, I'm going down inside, I'm investigating what's in here. Any more air bubbles, any sticks, stones, 
God goes inside of our lives and investigates. He works from the inside out, investigates our hearts, investigates our minds. So I want you to think for a moment, how did the Father draw you? John 6, verse 44, Jesus said, no one comes to me except that my Father draws them. How were you drawn? Write down a couple notes on that. What were, the, what were the things, the incidents, the situations that began to draw you to Christ? Some of you were, in a sense, born into this process. You were raised in a church. You had good parents that were followers of Jesus, and one day you just said, I want that too. Some of us came in kicking and screaming. Just curious, how many, I, how many of you, I'll raise my hand to be first, how many of you came in kicking and screaming? Significant number. He's pretty strong, isn't he? Because he loves us. So the Father grows us by centering us, bringing us to Christ. That's the beginning. The Father grows us by putting into our history a number of ingredients that will fashion who we will become and the story we will have, the ministries that we'll have. We're all called to minister. Minister just means giving stuff away. We all have stuff to give away. The next section I want to talk about is the blessing of the Father. This is a huge one, just gigantic. In, uh, let's go to uh, Matthew 3.16. What's happened leading up to this is Jesus has gone, he's had no ministry up to this point. He's been born, he's been raised by his parents, earthly parents. Uh, there's been recognition by him that uh, he belongs to a father who is God. Uh, he says that when he stays behind, probably at his bar mitzvah, I'm not really sure exactly what was going on, but his parents took him to Jerusalem to the temple uh, for one of the uh, holidays where you would go there. And they leave with all the rest of their village's crowd to head on home and discover that Jesus is not with them and they're terrified. It's like, where is our son? Can you imagine losing the son of God? I mean, it's bad when you lose your kid in the supermarket, but my goodness. Oh! You know, lightning is going to flash. So they go back there and they find Jesus and he's surrounded by priests who are listening to wise men of, of, the, of the word of God and the law. And he's, he's confounding them with his wisdom. And they ask, son, why, why did you do this to us? Why are you here, basically? And he says, didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? So Jesus is already beginning to know who he is. He's already beginning to recognize that the hand of the Father on him. When did you begin to recognize the hand of the Father on you? A good Father. 
And then Jesus grows up. He goes to be baptized by John. And when he comes up out of the water, the scripture there says, I guess I better get my hands dirty or my Bible dirty. I have a well-worn Bible. It was given to me by on a pastor's uh, appreciation day years and years ago. I was in my 40s. It's in large print. And I looked at it and I thought, you know, in my mind, I didn't say it because you want to be nice to your church, you know. And I thought, I don't need this. Who, who this is really sweet of them, but I mean, come on. Boy, am I glad I have one now. So let, let's go to this reference of Matthew 3.16. Turn with me there. If you have a Bible with you. If not, it's going to be up on the screen too, but there's just something about holding it in your hands and reading it. So Jesus is baptized by John, his cousin. down the right one. No, it's actually, uh, yeah, it is 16, 16, 17. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water, and at that moment, heaven was opened. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Brothers, this is a verse that all of us must take to heart for ourselves. Because within it are the most important ingredients that will propel us through life. They're so simple. We have to know who we are in Christ. We have to know that the Father looks at each one of us and says, that's my boy, that's my boy, that's my boy, that's my boy. We, got, we, we need to, by faith, acquire that, to hear that from him. Secondly, it says, whom I love. If we don't understand the love of God for us, we have to get rid of whatever it is that's in the way of that. Some of us have had difficulties with an earthly father, and we, we don't understand a love of a father very well implicitly by that. But we can learn to receive the love of the father, both supernaturally from God in spirit, from other brothers around us who bless us. Uh, it, it, he will be faithful to reveal himself to you and to reveal his love to you. I'll tell you a story in a second on that. And then the last thing he says, with him I am well pleased. You and I, we live in a society that is very performance oriented. We get applause for what we do, don't we? And if we do it well, we really get applause. If we don't do it well, we don't get applause. We get fired. Um, but it's a performance-based society, and yet with God, it's different. 
Jesus has not done anything yet. No ministry has happened yet. And yet God the Father says, with him, I am well pleased. Why? Simply because Jesus belongs to him. You and I, through Christ, belong to the Father. And we need personal experiences that will deepen that reality for us. Uh, and a few years back, I, I have a seizure disorder. Uh, I have not had a grand mal in about five years, so you're going to have to panic tonight. I think I'll make it through. Uh, but uh, I have to take medication for anti-seizures. Uh, I keep receiving prayer, and, uh, and I believe God will someday heal it. But it uh, hasn't happened quite yet. And one of the seizure meds that I was taking uh, particularly kind of makes you stupid. I mean, I'm kind of dumb now, but I was really stupid back then uh, with this medication because it slows down the neurotransmission activity between the lobes. It, it, that's its job to do that. So I'm in my studio, and I'm mixing up this huge barrel of glaze. It's going to have about $400 worth of materials in it. I have a giant gram scale with a five-gallon bucket on it, and I'm weighing in the various ingredients because I make my own glazes. I've composed my own recipes. I actually went to college for this. It's part of my ingredients. So I, I've, I've filled the whole barrel. I'm, just, I'm down to the last batch. And I've got a five-gallon bucket in my hand, and I'm scooping out with a big scoop and pouring it in and watching the, the gram scale get, get up and down and finally get it right on target. It's the last bit. And instead of reaching out and grabbing that bucket, I, I got this one already in my arms with not measured material and toss it in. And suddenly I realized, ah, I don't have any idea. I can't, I, I won't, this, who knows what this glaze is going to turn out. It's not, I have ruined it. That's $400 worth of glaze. I'm an artist, you don't make a lot of money. I was so frustrated with myself, partly because of all this medication stuff, because there's a lot of other things that are going on, like, I don't like this, and I don't like this, and I'm losing my mind, and on and on. I, I, I started cussing myself out. I shared this with leadership at noon, and they really wanted to know what words did I use. But I'm not going there tonight, okay? I mean, I cussed like a sailor beforehand, before Christ, but somehow that part just without any effort pulled out of me, you know? And I'm not saying that's like the height of Christianity or anything. Apparently Peter cussed. Um, but it, it surprised me. I was just so angry at myself, so self-destructive in a sense, and defeated. And I walked in from my mixing room just slouching, angry, cussing, walk into my studio, and all of a sudden, I hear the Lord say, you, first of all, I said my name, Dave, you are worthy because you are mine. That's all he said. And guys, I, I broke down, I cried like a little boy. Because what it was telling me, I don't care what you do. I don't care how much you mess up. I don't care how many times you fail at stuff. Your performance is not the deal. It's that you're mine. That's the deal, says the Father. I pray that you might receive that tonight. Because we all mess up, guys. But in the Father's eyes, 
If we have come to Christ by faith, we are his sons. We'll hit that one real hard with Jesus tomorrow. But we are his. That's all that matters. That's all that really matters. Know his love. Know that you are his. And know that all that matters is he says you are mine. With that, we can grow. So we're going to do a little growing here. I, I want to just talk a little bit about blessing. We're going to do more of that tomorrow. Gentlemen, you and I, we have the power to speak into the lives of young ones. And it will come through words from, from the Father by the Spirit. You know, Jesus said, I'll, I'll ask the Father and he'll send another counselor. And he will speak not of his own, but he will speak directly of the words of the Father. I have two daughters. My youngest daughter is adopted by us, and we started raising her when she was seven years old. She's incredibly multiracial. She is African-American and Chinese and Jewish and Polish and Irish and Pueblo and Hispanic. I mean, she's got all the bases covered. She's four foot eight, full height, spitfire. Somehow those little ones, man, they just got to make up for it somehow, you know. So we were raising her, and everything was pretty good until she hit puberty. And, uh, you know, that's that phase where the princess all of a sudden becomes this person you want to put in a satellite and send them out in outer space for until they're 21. You know, not, not all of them, but some of them. And, and she, uh, she, she just so struggled. She had been in a sense orphaned by her biological parents and then the, the people who had taken over the adoption became too old and no longer could raise her so it was like twice rejected and she's multiracial in a pretty much you know hispanic but mostly anglo town uh, who am i and she started to be cutting and she started to do stuff against herself and she started lashing out especially to my wife and she'd get into these rages and it was just totally demonic I mean she just was angry scary angry and what what I would do the only thing that worked and I don't even remember God saying do this it just it was almost like instinctively I would get down on my knee so I would be eyeball to eyeball to this four foot eight year old and all of a sudden it, God would just start downloading and I'd say, Sasha, this is not who you are. You are a warrior for Jesus. The fight that is in you is a warrior spirit, and someday it's going to set people free. Sasha, this is not who you are. You are a worship leader. God has given you a voice that fills an auditorium without a microphone. He has blessed you with that. You are a worshiper of the living God. Sing with your heart, girl. And I'd just go on and on like that for like two, three, four minutes. And within the first minute, these eyes of terror and anger would melt. And pretty soon tears would start to come down. 
And with, by the end of the three or four minutes, she's got her arms around me. There is power in blessing the next generation. And we as fathers, as men, as sons of the living God, as brothers with Christ, we have the anointing if we dare speak it out, if we dare listen and let it roll out. We can't do trivial stuff. We've got to see what God sees and then speak it. But when we speak it, it goes in. Years later, she would sit next to me after an incredible period of rebellion and then separation for a period of time, and then gradual healing coming back. One day she sits next to me at a wedding. And, and I, I told her, you know, we share dads. My dad is her dad as well by adoption. And he'd gotten really old. He was 92 at that point. We're at a wedding, and there's, there's the deal coming up where the father's going to dance with the, with the daughter, and the, the mother's going to dance with the son. You know, who's, they've just gotten married. And, and I look at her, and I have my arm on her chair behind her. I look at her, I say, Sasha, honey. I says, you know, Papa, that's what we always used to call her dad. Papa, he's too old. You know, if you and Nate ever get married, I, I don't think he's going to be able to dance with you. And she looks up at me, a just beaming smile. And she says, it's okay. You're my dad. You've always been my dad. You're the one I trust. Those, those are the rewards of daring to speak into the next generation. Don't be trivial, but be daring with it. Hear what God says, speak it. Bless them. It's powerful. Many of us in this room have never heard a blessing from our earthly dads. You know that hunger in us. We can hear it from our Heavenly Father. He'll tell us. You know, my, my dad loved me intensely in many ways, but he never spoke that way with me, except very rarely. And I cherish those moments. We have great power as men that way. Even if these are not even our own kids. Use it. Give it away. Impact the next generation. But first of all, you must know the love of the Father for you. You must know the, the sonship that you have from him. And give it away give it away I want you to consider for those of you who do have kids right now or whose lives you're influencing that are younger let's just take a moment and, and uh, would you pray for them and just pray that God would give you insight that's a great word insight If you don't have someone to speak into and you want to, ask that tonight.
And if you believe perhaps that you're not ready and you need more from God, ask for that. It's the time to meet with God for a minute or two. Now what I'm doing right now is called pulling up a cylinder. It's pressure on the inside hand against the hand that's on the outside. And it causes the pot to grow up, to rise up. Think about that in terms of God with us. God within us, life around us, and the training that we have with him and how he grows us. I would really encourage you to, on a real regular basis, read the teachings of Jesus, either in Matthew or Luke, uh, what we typically call the Sermon on the Mount. If you're unfamiliar with it, it's in the very beginning, early part of the Gospel of Matthew, the book of Matthew in the New Testament. I believe it runs through uh, chapters 5, 6, 7, 8, maybe 9. Jesus teaches us to do a lot of things that are, just seem very backward or contrary to the way that we live out our lives in this world. To be generous, to be forgiving of our enemies, to be kind, to not be boastful of our spirituality. And on and on. There's many, many things. And I'd really encourage you to, on a regular basis, read it. Let God train you up in that. Another arena that I believe that God trains us with is by testing us. Testing us to see what needs to be removed. You know, Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Let's put them up on the screen. Michael, you want to read that out loud? Yeah. Uh, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses... Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. We all have a course to run. It's a metaphor for our lives. We all have a race to run, individually given to each one of us. Notice that there's two things that can get in the way. One of them is 
the sin or sins that so easily entangle us or trap us and keep us from knowing the fullness of all that God has for us. Gentlemen, I would really encourage you at this point to seriously consider that. Are you ensnared in any way? I don't mean that to defeat you. I mean that to confront and invite God to begin to set you free, to help you. And if you're not in a group or have brothers to, uh, to help you, get some. All of us are challenged in different areas. And we want to run a race well, unhindered, fast, long. But notice that there's also, and the things that would hinder you, not only sin, but things that hinder. The way that we look at ourselves can be a hindrance. We may have a, a very defeated sense of who we are. We need to give that to Christ. All of this stuff, whether it's sin that we've done or involved with or sins done against us. Those of you, I would really encourage you. I know Pastor Danny is doing the gospel of wholeness, which is a, an incredible ministry that the Lord revealed to him. Um, I've been through it. Uh, Danny doesn't know this, but I've been through it myself. I've had it. I've been counseled in it and received some great healing and, and deliverance as a, as a process. Um, but in it, we need to make an exchange with God, ultimately. And, and I won't steal the rest of the message in that, but we need to give him our sins because we're not going to conquer them alone. Sins done against us, the sins that we're caught up in. And then we need brothers to walk alongside of us in it. Jesus was uh, led by the Spirit right after baptism into the wilderness to be tempted, to be tested. He fasted for 40 days, and during that period of time, he became weak. And Satan came along, which he always does when we're at our weakest. Let's go there for a moment. We're coming close to the end here on this right now. Looking, uh, there's several accounts of this, but I'm going to look at uh, Luke chapter 4. It's the third gospel. As I said before, Jesus has just been baptized. He's just received the blessing of the Father, in which the Father has said, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Verse 1, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the desert where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. Now that's a bit of a contrast, isn't it? We typically think if we're going to be led by the Spirit, are we going to be confronted directly by Satan? But Jesus is being tested and you and I will be tested. And, and we oftentimes will be led by the Spirit 
Uh, God will allow testing because testing, like the firing of this pot, is necessary for making us solid in our faith. And that faith being that we are relying wholly upon God and not on ourselves. If you rely on yourself in a battle against Satan, you're not going to win. But if you rely on your relationship and your reception from God through Jesus Christ and the power of Christ that is in you, you will win the battle. Look at, the, look at what Satan says, verse 3. The devil said to him, if you are the son of God, look at that. Now what just happened in the blessing? What did the father say from heaven? Come on. This is my son. Satan loves to steal whatever God has last blessed you with. Be aware of that. But don't give it away. It's yours. And notice that Jesus, he's tempted, he says, and he's, Jesus is so hungry. If you're the son of God, tell this stone to become bread. I don't know, I don't know how many of you have ever fasted, uh, but you get really hungry. And it's hard. And you walk by food and you're just, it's, I mean, the longest fast I ever went on, uh, there reached a point where I'm looking down, it's the middle of winter, I'm looking down at the creeks near us at these trout and thinking, I wonder if I could just sort of like golem grab one and eat it. I mean, that, those thoughts went through my mind. So uh, Jesus answered, it is written, man does not live on bread alone. He doesn't argue with Satan and say, hey, no, listen, I know I'm the Son of God. He doesn't argue with him at all. He relies on the Word of God. And gentlemen, I'll tell you, the, the, one of the best ways to battle with temptation, one of the best ways to battle with Satan when he comes at you with testing, with jabs, with trying to steal I mean, this is, this is the beautiful thing that, that Jesus just received. This is my son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Satan wants to steal that. Thieves don't go after junk. They don't go after bubblegum wrappers. They go after gold and jewels, the best computer you got in the house. They want that which is most valuable. Jesus called Satan a thief, and he is. And he will go after what is most precious. The most precious things that we get sometimes are the word that we hear directly from God. And he will immediately try to snatch that away. It's the thing in the very beginning of the garden. Did God really say that if you ate from this tree you would surely die? Did God say? Jesus, the Son of God, Three times when he's tested, he says, it is written. He knows his word. Gentlemen, we need to know words to do battle with the enemy. That's one of the biggest reasons for reading this book, contemplating on certain verses that grab a hold of you. Memorize those verses. Teach your kids when they're young, because our memory works a whole lot better to, for retention when we're young, that we can do battle with the enemy. It is written. It is written. And he backs off because he knows that the truth sets us free. 
And he knows that if we know the perfect love of God, that the perfect love of God casts out every fear. It is written. Know your word. You will be tempted. You will be tested. And you can win. The testing, by the way, when Jesus walks out of there, he is ministered to by the angels. And he walks with great power, and his ministry begins. And he goes to his home village. And in Luke, again, chapter 4, just a little bit further. I, I want to apologize to you guys tonight. I'm a little bit uh, tired tonight. And so I'm going a little slower than I would want to. But he goes home to Nazareth, where he grew up, where he's a homie. I don't know how it is for you, but when you're in your hometown, you can't fake anything. They know you, especially if you grew up in a little town. And he goes, it says, he went into Nazareth where he'd been brought up, and on the Sabbath day he went into the synagogue, as was his custom. And he stood up to read. He was invited to do that. Scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him, and unrolling it, he found the place where it is written. Gentlemen, I'd like us to rise and stand for a moment. We've been sitting long enough. And what I'd like you to do right now is, would you find someone that you can just turn to, whether you know them or not? This, isn't, this is not going to become a hugely uh, revealing moment, Okay but there's a powerful moment that can happen with this. And Jesus read these words. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Tonight what I'd like each of us to do is to turn to someone, and if you have a Bible or you can, we can put it up on the screen, you can look at it. I'd like you to speak that over each person, the person in front of you. But instead of saying the Spirit of the Lord is on me, I want an act of blessing tonight. I want you to say the Spirit of the Lord is on you because he has anointed you to preach the good news to the poor. He has sent you. You'll get the picture. So let's go ahead. Pair off. If this is extremely uncomfortable for you, uh, I'm not forcing you to do this, but...
All right, we're going to do this one more time. I'm going to speak it over you guys. But I want to, I'm going to read it slow. And, and I'll tell you, when I was listening, I closed my eyes. I was just listening to the rumble of the voices. And I just really sensed the presence of the Holy Spirit all over this place. Because you are blessing one another. And it pleases the Father. I believe that for each one of us in this room, there is a part of this passage that directly goes home. So as I read this over you, let the Lord point out that singular piece that really is yours. Because for some of you tonight, you're going to walk out with that. The Spirit of the Lord is on you. Because he has anointed you to preach good news to the poor. He has sent you to proclaim freedom to the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim right now is the year of the Lord's favor. Father, we receive that as your sons. We receive it as men of humble origin, of vast brokenness. We receive the truth that we are yours. We are yours because your son went to the cross, died for our sins, and opened up the, the floodgates of heaven for us. That we not only would live forever, but even more so that we would have a relationship with you, Father. And that, Father, as a sign of your approval, you caused the, the religious curtains of the temple to be torn from top to bottom. That you would no longer be willing to be contained in a place, but that you would reside around and in and over us that you might love us and empower us, that you might call us by name and call us your sons, that we might know you forever and ever. Amen. All right, tonight, um, Michael? I haven't been watching the clock, so I don't know where we're at. Oh, you're great. Okay. In fact, I'm hoping to get a few more minutes out of you. Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't that be mean after all that? You know, I, just as we were standing there, I, uh, I don't think it takes someone with great discernment to know that God is doing a lot in this room right now. Uh, and I loved what Dave just said, that there's, there are parts of, of that scripture that he read that it's like, that's for you, you know, that's for you. And I, 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 uh, I want to strike while the iron's hot, meaning uh, if you know that God is really 
working in your heart right now, I just want to ask you to come forward, and we want to bless. That's we right. just want to come alongside you as a brother. I don't know, but as Josh and I were just praying that over each other, wow, that is so powerful to bless one another. And that's really what we want to do to end off our time tonight is we want to bless in each other what God is doing. So I just want to invite you, come on up. Um, uh, if God's been stirring in you tonight, we want to bless that. I know that there was a, I had a specific word when, when Dave was talking about blessing and being able to bless our own children or bless others. I just saw men reaching back like into a toolbox, a blessing toolbox, and it was empty. And you just went, I wouldn't even know where to start. I wouldn't even know what to say. I don't even have words for it. And I really believe God wants to, uh, he wants to speak words of blessing into you tonight mm -hmm. so that you could take, it's going to fill up, it's going to give you some tools to get started to be able to turn to whether it's your kids, maybe it's a niece, a nephew, maybe it's a neighbor, you know what I mean? There's, there's, there are younger people in our lives as men that, that God wants us to speak blessings. So just, JT's going to lead us in a song, but, but we want to take, we got, it's 8.30, we've got lots of time here. I just want to ask you to come forward, uh, and we'll pray for you. Mm -hmm. And one last thing, a physical thing. Uh, if someone right now near the end, if you just, if your stomach just feels like, like you have pain, who, who has like pain in their stomach right now? Anyone here have pain in their stomach? Okay, because I just, just as soon as I started to walk up here, my stomach just went, er, and I felt like the Lord said, uh, hey there, boy, that's not for you. So, uh, so come on up, guys, and we want to pray for you, and then we'll end, we'll end off our time.